Black history is American history. If you don't know that this happened or you don't know these, you don't know about the Tulsa massacre, you don't know about the things that have happened to black people, then you don't understand American history. Hi from the Brio, I'm your co-host, Dr. Christina Greer, and today we have a special guest co-host. Hey everyone, I'm Polly Aringu, and by day I work on New York Public Radio, and by night I'm the founder of Black Women Photographers, and you're listening to What's In It For Us. Yay! Thank you so much, Polly, for joining us. Okay, so today we have three major topics. One, anti-voting rights bills across the country are just decimating communities, and I want to know what it means for Black voting in 2022. Keisha Lance Bottoms, the mayor of Atlanta, said that she's not running for re-election. And lastly, the MOVE members from uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, their bones have been being used at the University of Pennsylvania. So what say you, Polly? The first thing that caught my attention um, is the MOVE members, because unfortunately, I was not aware of this movement um, Mm. prior to seeing it breaking news. Yeah, so we'll get into that because I was in Philly when all that went down. So these topics and all topics we'll consider this week on What's In It For Us. Okay, so Polly, before we get into it, we got to talk about something on my timeline. There was a picture of Serena Williams modeling some shoes and... Black Twitter was all a buzz because it looks like she was skin bleaching, possibly. And we know that uh, that is something that is very common in certain parts of our community where women of color will use a skin bleaching cream. And so there were lots of pictures where she was juxtaposed. Old pictures of Serena Williams and this picture where it's kind of like a Tina Turner lion feeling. Um, I don't know what that picture was, but she got a lot of criticism because folks are saying, you know, young people look up to her. She's obviously an international superstar. She since deleted the the picture. Some folks argued it was just bad lighting and bad makeup. What did you make of it? You know, for me, I'm I'm also trying to give the benefit of the doubt and agree that hopefully that it is, you know, bad lighting, bad hair day, whatever it may be, bad makeup. I mean, there's no reason for her, of all people, to be bleaching their skin. Um, and she has a young daughter. Um, and like you have mentioned that she is a role model to so many out there. Um, so I just don't understand why she would start and why now? Yeah, I'm really, I'm hoping that when we see her, when she emerges, she will be this beautiful black woman that we have grown to know and love over the past 30 years. But I think it's a much larger issue because there is this idea, especially for celebrities, you know, the contouring of the nose, the sort of lighter makeup, you know, you can look at Beyonce covers from her first cover to her fifth cover. I thought her fifth cover was was Britney Spears because of the lighting. She looked incredibly light. So I think because someone like Serena Williams has so many young girls from across the world who look up to her, I think that's why Twitter went so insane about the possibility that this could be a bleaching conversation. Right. But I also, I mean, I feel for Serena and other Black women, especially dark-skinned Black women, because I feel like she's damned if she does, damned if she doesn't. Like, every time, I mean, I don't know what point in her life she hasn't faced criticism for her face, her body, her body shape. 
Uh, and so that's why I'm just like, can y'all leave her a be? Like, can y'all leave her alone until, because like, I feel like, you know, for her, probably she saw the comments. Of course she saw the comments and that it was so silly that she just took it down. Like, why would I even need to address something like this? That's what I'm hoping. That's a really interesting point because we do know, especially Serena, even more so than Venus, because Venus was always, you know, told, oh, you have the quote unquote typical tennis body and Serena didn't. And I think the the idea that she is in a very white sport as a black woman, but also a brown skinned black woman does mean something. Now, here's a question for you, though. You know, if it is true, let's just say it comes out that she she has been bleaching. Do you think folks will still support her in the same way or, or what do you think that that would look like for the black community in Serena? I definitely think there would be a split. Um, how much of a split? I do not know because of her status, but I definitely think there would be a split because it would just be so disappointing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's another reason, I guess, why we should have put people so high on a pedestal. But I think for her and all that she's accomplished and, uh, and her sister, it, there definitely will be a split. As a photographer, when you're shooting Black women, what do you do to sort of make sure the lighting sort of captures our essence and you're not sort of bleaching us out? I think we, our skin should be as rich as possible. We shouldn't whitewash it. Um, we shouldn't uh, any it. I think for me, you know, I'd love to just show our melanin how it is. And so for me, I don't even really use too much like outsource of lights or other equipment. I have a very simple setup. Um, and so, you know, when I saw this, I was just like, yikes, like, you know, it just looks very bad. Even, I mean, if it's just makeup as well, that's very bad. Um, but again, I am giving the benefit of the doubt because I just don't understand why, if all, you know, why her and why now if she wants to be bleaching her skin. Yeah, well, we'll monitor the situation, but as always, we'll keep asking these questions and we'll try and figure out what's in it for us. So this week, um, I want to talk about the anti-voting rights bills that have been sweeping the country. Um, so ever since Joe Biden was elected in 2020, and we saw the success of Senators John Ossoff and Senator Warnock in Georgia, we, know, we knew that there was going to be some sort of backlash. And here we are, right? So in Georgia, we have Republican Governor Brian Kemp uh, signing in legislation to restrict uh, new voter uh, requirements. So he's requiring voter ID for absentee ballots. He's empowering state officials to take over local election boards. He's limiting the use of ballot drop boxes. He's making it a crime to approach voters in line and give them food and water, which is listed in the Bible, by the way. Um, we're seeing that these anti-voting rights laws are sweeping Arizona, repealing the state's permanent early voting list. So voters are no longer gonna be automatically sent an absentee ballot. You know, this is where Republicans lost both Senate seats in recent years, uh, but they still have control of the state government. Now, those of you who listen to the podcast know that I'm constantly ringing the alarm about the importance of state governments and who controls them. So it's just a long list. And so, you know, of course, Florida has to jump in on it, but how, closely were you involved or paying attention to the 2020 election? And what do you think about this kind of pendulum swing with Republicans trying to, essentially they can't win fair and square. So now we've just got to restrict black folks participating because they can't win if we actually have a free and fair ballot. 
Um, you know, Governor Kemp works hard, but hopefully, you know, Stacey Abrams works harder. So do Black women. And I, I don't know, it's very scary. Um, I really hope it doesn't, you know, defeat people to actually participate, um, especially in the local elections and midterms and everything that's coming up soon. Um, I, I'm just nervous, just watching from afar, very nervous of what's about to happen. So as we move on, we're going from the macro to Atlanta. <laughs> so you saw that Keisha Lance Bottoms, uh, the mayor of Atlanta, has decided not to run for re-election. Um, were you surprised at all that that was the case? Yeah, I legit, when I saw the news alert, the push alert help out on my phone, I was like, I actually guessed. Like, I was like, oh, like, <laughs> I was very surprised because I just thought, you know, someone like her would have a very, you know, long um, career, you know, in politics. Um, and maybe, you know, that's not to say that she won't. Maybe she will do something else within politics or maybe she's done with it completely. But I, I was surprised when I saw that news. Yeah, I mean, you know, she said, she says, I wish I could tell you there was a moment or a thing, mm -hmm. but when you have faith and guidance in the same way for five years ago, when it was clear that I should run for mayor, it's abundantly clear that I need to pass the baton to someone else. Um, I think it's also interesting because folks don't realize that like being the mayor of a city is an 80 hour a day job. So when LBJ was the president and you had civil rights struggles all across the country, there was racial unrest, there's Vietnam across the ocean. It just seemed like his whole presidency was on fire and someone asked him, they were just like, how do you feel? I mean, like basically everything's a disaster for you right now. And he says, you know what? It could be worse. I could be a mayor. And I think people don't understand to be mayor of a major city, especially when you're criticized, sometimes fairly, sometimes unfairly, mm -hmm. but we know that, you know, she's been criticized for, the, for handling the death of Rashad Brooks a black man who was shot by an Atlanta police officer. That officer was reinstated on the force just this past week. So a lot of folks are looking at her kind of side eye. She mm -hmm. was able to raise money, but, and had relatively favorable numbers during her time in office. She's also working with a Republican state house and a Republican governor. So that kind of limits some of the progressive things that she'd be able to do for the city. But here's, so here's the rub. Here's, here's where I'm, not nervous, but I'm like, Keisha, do you think that she would dare to think about running for governor in 2022? Stacey Abrams has not announced that she's running for governor in 2022. And I pray <laughs> to the spirit world that we do not see that scenario. You know, I, a part of me is like, no, I, if she, you know, if she's bowing out of this, I don't see why she would want to put her, toss her hat into the ring as something like governor. Um, I don't see that happening. And I don't see her, you know, winning against Stacey Abrams, am I allowed to say that? Um, yeah, you're, listen, <laughs> I'm team Stacey over here, so you can say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't know, I think maybe, maybe she heard whispers, maybe she heard whispers saying that she probably wouldn't win re-election and the last thing you want to do is, you know, be defeated. And so maybe she's bound out early for that reason. I have no idea, but I don't see her doing, um, running for governor. I'm not trying to start beef in the streets of, of Georgia. Right, I just right. think that <laughs> it's like, listen, I don't want people saying Chrissy and Polly are trying to start beef between Keisha and Stacey. No, that's not what I'm saying. I just think that, you know, whether Stacey Abrams decides to run for governor or not, 
uh, I think that there's there's a lot of energy and support for that happening. I would really hate to see two accomplished Black women vying in an ugly primary um, because that just gives Brian Kemp more money, more time, more energy to keep doing the insidious things that he's doing. Um, so maybe she'll go to the Biden administration. Maybe she'll just take a break. You know, we see that there's a rise of black mayors, black female mayors across uh, the country. We've got Shar Jones in St. Louis now. We've got um, Kim um, Haney in in Boston. You got to say Boston, right? I mean, I never thought I'd see a black. I, I went to college in Boston. Some of our producers are from Boston. I never thought I'd see a black female mayor in the city of Boston. I really thought I'd see like a polar bear in a unicycle before I saw a black female mayor in the city of Boston. But here we are. Um, but I think it's it's one of those questions about what does the leadership of Atlanta look like moving forward, a very black city where Keisha almost lost to a white female candidate the first time. And so the, I think that's my question as to kind of what happens next for that city where there's so many black folks of all different classes, ethnicities, generations who are looking for some real leadership? No, that's a wonderful question. I mean, and that kind of question you can pose to even other places, like the larger ones like DC, like, you know, if, if she was to step down, like, what would that look like for DC? Mm -hmm. uh, would this like spark a wave across the country? I don't know, like, th that is a great question. Well, I mean, we've already seen, you know, Detroit has a white mayor, Philly has a white mayor. Uh, New York was the one and done with Dinkins. We may get a black mayor, maybe not. Um, the, you know, with DC, there's a mixed bag on Mayor Bowser and how folks feel about her. Obviously in Chicago, there are mixed feelings about Lori Lightfoot, black female mayor. Maybe we'll all just have to have you come back and we can just go through all the black female mayors and talk about the complexities of descriptive and substantive representation in these cities. Okay. So moving forward, as we think about what's in it for us at all times, Black people. Um, so the story that I wanted to talk to you about um, is the MOVE movement from the city of Philadelphia. This happened in 1985. And I was a young child when this happened. Uh, and the federal government dropped a bomb uh, on a city block, C4 explosive, uh, killing 11 people, including five children. They raised more than 60 homes. This was in May of 1985. Uh, MOVE was founded in 1970s. It was like a Black radical, back to nature movement. Um, who And folks were having sort of these conflicts with the Philadelphia police, uh, and it became incredibly violent. And police came in and, as I said, dropped these bombs. And so as they removed some of the bodies from the rubble, and they were left in a morgue, they were unclaimed, and then when they were identified, an anthropologist from the University of Pennsylvania identified one of the remains of a 14-year-old girl, Catricia uh, Tree Africa. And the bodies, the bones were never returned to her family. And then this past week, the university acknowledged that they were shelved away and then they were shuttled between academics and used in videos for online courses. And obviously, Black folks, rightly so, are enraged at the idea that our bones would just be used for some academic purposes without any permission, respect, uh, acknowledgement uh, to the family to to utilize this in the scientific academic way. Uh, and we know that, you know, this would only happen to to certain groups of people. So and you and I think the larger story is, you know, you start off saying you didn't know that this happened. This is, you know, 
the US government killed its own citizens in the middle of a city, 11 of its own citizens in the middle of a major US city in 1985, and they had a black mayor at the time, by the way. And it's sort of been erased from larger history where so many people don't even know about this major event that killed 11 black people, five of which were children. I mean, for me, like when I saw that, uh, the story break, it was shocking. It, I mean, I shouldn't be sh shocked by now, right? Um, by this country, I should not be so shocked every time. Um, but it was just devastating to read. And then and then it, that devastation like immediately turned to rage when I, you know, read more, um, especially how now they're just like research, you know, it's just, just so disgusting. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't learn this in school. Um, and that tells you a lot right there, I guess, because something like this, we should know something like this should be major news every May, every year, like we should be talking about this, similar to how we talk about the Tulsa massacre. Um, this was my first time learning about it. Um, and so, you know, I mean, a part of it is like, okay, maybe I should have found where to educate myself on this, but if, then if I didn't hear about it, how would I know about it? And so I don't know, I've never learned this when I was in school. And so it was very, uh, very tough to read. So many black folks, don't know what we don't know about our own history right. in, this, in these cities, in this country, um, and the development of our inclusion and sometimes exclusion. But I think it's also, you know, you saying you didn't learn about this in school. I didn't learn about it in school either. I just happened to be in the city of Philadelphia. And I'm always reminding my students, it's like, Black history is American history. If you don't know that this happened, or you don't know these, you don't know about the Tulsa massacre, you don't know about the things that have happened to Black people, then you don't understand American history. So white people should feel enraged that they don't know a large part of their own history in this nation. But I, I think that this this combination of the the limits and the capacity of what the government will do to its own citizens, especially when they are Black, as you said, should not surprise you. <laughs> yet and still we're we're taken aback every now and again and my grandmother used to always say the only time you should be surprised is when you're surprised mm -hmm. <laughs> when dealing with this country because we know that the depths to which they will go not just with voting rights but obviously dropping bombs on men women and children is something that is just not beyond the pale when it comes to the united states so as always we'll consider and keep thinking about how this affects us and what's in it for us but Polly, I want to ask you, what is next for you? You make me so excited. I can't wait to hear what you're doing next. Uh, so as you know, uh, I'm the founder of Black Women Photographers. And this month, we actually just announced a partnership with Everyday Projects, where we're doing a free month-long webinar series on the essentials of photojournalism. So emerging, advanced, wherever you are at in your level of career, if you are an aspiring photojournalist, whoever, um, we're hosting free classes every Wednesday. Um, where you can learn just, you know, from the anatomy of a story to how to get, you know, your work published to how to fund your work. That is what we're currently doing. I'm also currently fundraising for the first annual Black Women Photographers Grant Fund. Last year, I started this community with a COVID-19 relief fund. I'm now looking at ways to, you know, 
have a bigger impact financially for these photographers. And so I'm looking forward to announce that news very soon. Um, but as you know, you know, I'm still holding my other workshops, events, free portfolio reviews. Um, I'm just really excited about the future of this community. Just July will mark the first anniversary. Uh, it started with 100 photographers. Now there's over 600 photographers. And I'm just so excited about what's to come. I am so excited. I love going to blackwomenphotographers.com, not just to support, but you can also purchase prints from these amazing photographers yes. from all across the country yes, yes. and the globe. And I just feel like there's no excuse, right? So if people are looking for a dope black female photographer, they can't say, oh, I can't find one. It's like, exactly. um, Polly Rungu has put them all together in a beautiful website. You can find them online. She highlights them. It's called blackwomenphotographers.com. Polly, thank you so much for joining us. Please, please promise you'll come back. Uh, I guess once the grant stuff is popping, obviously people can go to blackwomenphotographers.com and support. Um, I know that you've been putting together workshops for various women to yeah. talk to established photographers and just learn more. And that's the type of mentorship that I love to do, that the griot loves to do. Um, and I'm just so honored to have you here. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, anytime. Thank you for listening to What's In It For Us. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with everyone you know. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to podcast at thegrio.com. The What's In It For Us podcast is brought to you by The Grio, an executive produced by Blue Talisma and co-produced by Abdul Produce and Antonio Thompson.